three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 410. Welcome in. I have a story for you. Guess what I did about uh, 14, 15 minutes ago? I recorded 14 minutes of this podcast and then realized that nothing was recording. So fun. So great to be like, yeah, all that stuff I said. Try to do it again. I'll do my best. I got notes here. I'll follow them. But my gosh, it was it was going so I'm like, dang it. I missed out on a really, really great take about the like I, I just it's like, man, it's always harder to do it the second time. So anyway, uh, I'm wearing my Tua shirt today for obvious reasons. We'll get into that in a moment. I love it. It's really comfortable. And I am working on, I, you know, I'm not working on it. Saying that now makes me realize how much I should make it. I should get a sponsorship for this shirt because I know who makes it. You don't know who makes it, I don't think. And I'd love to. Ideally, I wear their shirts every episode for like two months and they pay me for that. That'd be awesome. So I'm going to try to pursue that sponsorship immediately after recording this episode. And we'll see what comes of that. Um, also, I got the the weird thing off. You probably can't see on my hand. I've got the cut. It's, what if it's terrible? Like, what if it's like gross and people puke or something? I don't know. I got a deep. I'm gonna have a deep scar. That's it, and that's pretty good. Let's jump in. I want to start today with a correction. Last episode, I was talking about the 2020 NFL draft, particularly about the first round and the corners drafted in the first round. I said that Falcons corner AJ Terrell was the last guy standing uh, from the first round that played corner in the 2020 NFL draft, and technically totally right. However, uh, upon reflection, listening in the comments, I don't think I gave A.J. Terrell the respect he deserves. In fact, I learned a set that I did not know, but kind of blew me away. Apparently, he's actually given up the fewest yards of any corner in the NFL this year. Uh, the, you know, that's starting, it's eligible, eligible, whatever. That blew my mind. I had no idea. I, I had no idea how, like, I knew AJ Terrell was starting. And I'm like, oh, good. But no, he's doing, like, very, very well. So, uh, AJ, hey, my bad, man. Like, sorry, didn't mean to, like, not, you know, uh, kind of, what's the word when you, you don't give some of the props they deserve. Like, I kind of didn't say the full story, which is that he's playing very well. And I didn't mean to undersell. That's the word I was looking for, undersell how well he's playing. I keep looking, like, I'm like, everything's recording, right? Because I, I recorded for 14 minutes. Got nothing. And I'm I'm still like, okay, we're recording audio. We're recording video. It's all good. You can relax, Zach. Stop sweating. It's hot in here anyway, so I get that pass. Let's jump in. I'm wearing the Tua shirt for a reason. Uh, that is because on Thursday night football, the Miami Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens 22 to 10. And it was a surprising win. I did not expect Miami to win this football game. I, in fact, I, I would have said, if anything, the Ravens would win and it'd be a blowout. A lot to break down here. Miami is now three and seven. They've won two games in a row. And the Dolphins won because of their defense. This is how I expected Miami to play all year. I had them as a defensive-led football team winning 11 games during my predictions. I got that wrong, obviously. You know, three and seven now. But the defense finally, finally stepped up in this game on Thursday Night Football against Baltimore, it was an awesome game plan. They blitzed a ton. Such great tackling all game long. Shout out to the Dolphins' uh, safeties, Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. Oh, my gosh. They made so many really good tackles along the perimeter, especially in the screen game, in the running game. I mean, the, the Ravens had 94 yards rushing, which sounds like, I mean, that's not nothing. But watching the game, I felt like they had way fewer than that. It felt like the Ravens got shut down running the football. Now, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, a lot of people came after Lamar Jackson after this game. As Dave Chappelle would say, Twitter's not a real place. And so I don't want to like, I don't want to pretend that what is said on Twitter about Lamar is what everyone in real life is saying about Lamar. But it certainly does feel like anytime Lamar Jackson loses a football game, people just come after the guy. Like people are, it's all, I, man, I, again, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I will here because it's my show. I can say whatever I want. I, it almost feels sometimes like people are just waiting, like, 
oh my, we're, they're just waiting for the moment to pounce on Lamar and call him bad. Like, I don't, I don't really understand the Lamar Jackson hate. Like, uh, remember when Aaron Rodgers had a terrible game to start the year, week one? It's like everyone has a bad game, and Lamar certainly did not have his best game here. It wasn't horrible. He was 26 for 43 passing, 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Now, uh, they got shut down, Baltimore did. The, the one touchdown drive Baltimore put together really only happened because of penalties Miami gave them on defense. Uh, the, the Ravens were handed a ton of yards. There was a really terrible roughing the passer penalty called on Javon Holland. Uh, and then also Lamar Jackson got picked off on third and goal in the end zone with 47 seconds left. Like this was not a good offensive performance from Lamar or the Ravens. Let's not pretend it was, but also I just don't get the, the, the almost eagerness from people to be like, see, he can't win the big game. He's terrible. It's like, they just, they wait. Oh, I don't get, I really don't understand attacking Lamar. He's, he smells like an awesome dude. He, he clearly works incredibly hard. And I, I love this man. I love when, NFL defenses blitz quarterbacks. Really, when any defense is blitz a, blitzes a quarterback, because first we got Jordan Love last week against Kansas City. Kansas City came after Jordan Love, blitz after blitz after blitz, and then here we on Thursday night we got Lamar Jackson. And I think whether it's high school football, college football, the NFL, you blitz a quarterback until they prove they know how to handle it and can beat it throwing. Make young quarterbacks uncomfortable. And I want to see other teams play this way against Lamar. I really do. I want to see, like, maybe we have a blueprint to beat Lamar. Now, ultimately, I believe Lamar and the Ravens will adjust and figure it out. But that's the beauty of football. You watch film, you figure out what's wrong, and then you change it and fix the problem. And you can't hide. In football, if you're putting bad tape out there, you got to deal with it. You'll get exposed very, very quickly. So, there might now be a blueprint to beat Lamar Jackson. And all that's going to do is going to make the Ravens better because look, I would blame Lamar. If I thought it was his fault for losing this football game. I think the reality is the play calling did not help out Lamar in this game. The Ravens did not adjust to Miami blitzing at all. And honestly, this game is kind of a gift for Baltimore. If you ask me, because it's better to see that and, lose this way now, like learn the lesson week 10 rather than in the playoffs and the wild card round. Like this is maybe if anything, this could be a very helpful loss for the Ravens to make them better and make, you know, Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson go back to the drawing board and go, man, we got our butts kicked. How are we going to handle that next time? Because there, I kept waiting for the in-game adjustment. It didn't really happen. And so if anything, I think this game could be, maybe it's a blueprint to beat Lamar Jackson. Like maybe, totally, maybe it is. But I think if anything, it's going to make Lamar better because he's going to go, I got to solve the holes in my game that allowed us to get beat that way. And again, there were some drop passes. It's not all on Lamar. But I thought that the way that Baltimore as a team handled the blitz was clearly not very good. Uh, so again, I man, I love this. I love blitz young quarterbacks, blitz old quarterbacks. I don't care who you are. Blitz a quarterback until they prove they can hang out in the pocket calmly find someone open. Now that's a, a big tell of whether a quarterback's good or not is how do they handle a blitz? Do they, can they recognize a blitz? Do they know where their hot read is? How well do they know their offense? It forces quarterbacks to be really, really technically sound. And I, I loved the way Kansas city blitzed Jordan love during week nine, because they're like, you can't beat us in man to man. Like we're going to play man to man coverage and you can't beat us throwing the football. And Jordan love could not. So I love that. And I, I really, the competitive juices get going when, Defense is blitz quarterbacks. Now, let's talk about the other quarterback in this game. Tua Tungavaloa. I live in Hawaii. Tua is my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I love the guy. I'm proud of Kessler. Tom Brady's my favorite. Let's be clear. I love Tom Brady. I, he incredibly inspired me. But I I really like Tua as a person. I He's from Hawaii. I have a heart for that. And I, I don't know how you can hate Tua as a human. He's got shortcomings as a quarterback. We'll talk about that. But here's what happened in this game. So Jacoby Brissett started the game at quarterback for Miami. And then on the first drive of the third quarter, Jacoby Brissett hurt his knee. He's on the side. He's on the field holding his knee, screaming like, ah! And this is kind of where things started to get confusing because, in my opinion, the Dolphins are not being honest about their quarterback situation. We were led to believe that Tua, who has a, a hurt, finger on his throwing hand, middle finger. We were led to believe Tua was so hurt, 
he could not play in this football game. Oh, but he dressed down, which is kind of weird. And then Tua came in the game in the third quarter, played the rest of the game. Tua didn't look hurt. Tua looked fine. He was 8 for 13 with 158 yards. He ran for a touchdown. In fact, Miami's only touchdown on offense all day came with Tua as their quarterback. And by the way, yes, Jacoby Brissett left the game with an injured knee, but then basically immediately he left the sideline and gave a thumbs up and said, I'm good to play. Let me back in the game. And it was coach Brian Flores who said, no, Tua's going to stay in the game. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. I thought Tua was hurt. I thought Tua was so hurt he couldn't play. You have your starting quarterback ready to play, but so what happened here? The Dolphins are, are very poorly trying to disguise benching quarterbacks with injuries. They're like, oh, this guy's hurt. That's why he didn't play. No, no, no. Your quarterback plays hurt all the time. Why is this any different? It's very confusing to me. I guess it's not. They're just not being honest. And Jacoby Brissett didn't play great in the first half. They could have kept playing him, but they didn't want him in. They wanted to try Tua. They're like, let's give this a shot. We're only up six to three. It's not going well on offense. And if Tua, again, was so hurt he couldn't play to start the game, then why did they put him in the game when Jacoby Brissett was okay? It's just, you go in circles. It doesn't, there's no logic here. None of it really makes sense. Again, they, Miami keeps trying to use injuries to hide the fact that they refuse to commit to a quarterback. Last year, it was back and forth between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. Then this year, they're like, we want to, we're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. And all you hear for weeks is that Miami's heavily pursuing Deshaun Watson. And they were like, everyone knows it. Miami tried everything they could to trade for Deshaun Watson. And then now they switch between Jacoby Brissett and Tua. If I was Tua, I'd be like, why did you guys even draft me number five overall if you don't want to commit to me? Like, why are you wasting my time? I would be so fed up if I was Tua. I'm tired of this team not wanting me, not committing to me. And uh, now Tua has a cool story here. He comes off the bench and they win. Now they won because of the defense. Tua was fine. Tua was not great. He had one big play where the Ravens had a busted coverage. They left Albert Wilson wide open down the left sideline. It was a 64-yard gain. And what happened on that play, it wasn't like, oh, Tua made an amazing throw. It was, no, the Ravens handed Miami a gift and left a receiver literally wide open for like 30 yards. Without that play, Tua only had 94 yards passing in this football game. Like, nah, it's fine. It's two quarters, solid work, but not great. It's not like Tua was lighting it up all game. They didn't seem to trust him. They only, he only threw the ball 13 times, threw a lot of screen passes. I love Tua. I'm wearing a Tua shirt. It's, this shirt has a bunch of tiny Tuas all over it. I, Tua's my favorite player in the NFL other than Tom Brady. We already established that. And despite the fact that I love him, I have to be honest. I have to be objective. It's my job to be honest, that's hopefully why you trust me if you watch my content. Like, you may not agree with me, but you know I'm always going to tell you what I truly believe. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to not play favorites. And it was such a cool story that Tua came in the game, they win. But Tua didn't play amazing. And I was so happy to see him win because the dude has dealt with all kinds of adversity this year. He's been hurt. His team doesn't even seem to want him. I mean, that's a tough spot to have your team actively. Like, imagine if you're dating someone. And they're actively pursuing someone else. You're like, I sure don't feel loved. I don't know. Why am I, why am I in this relationship? The person I'm with is just trying to date someone else. And I'm, I'm still here. Like, Tua, there's no way feels really wanted by his organization. And I, what I hope happens is I hope this game gives Tua confidence he can build on. Because confidence is invaluable, the quarterback position. And you don't need other people to believe in it. It sure helps. But as long as he believes in himself, that's what matters. So... Honestly, what I hope happens is that Tua gets help with his mechanics this offseason because, like, Tua needs to call up Drew Brees. I'm not kidding. He should really go to New Orleans, call Drew Brees, and say, I need to work with you on the field for a couple days because currently Tua is not maximizing his potential. I feel like if he makes a couple small tweaks mechanically, he can get a lot more arm strength and velocity out of his frame. He can drive the football way better downfield. Drew Brees and Tua have a very similar build. They have a very similar playing style. And I, I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I know I sound like to compare Tua to Drew Brees is ridiculous. I understand that based on where he is. But Drew Brees had to start somewhere. 
And if Tua gets better and can maximize his potential, then he could end. Well, I can't even well, hit my mic. He could end up like Drew Brees. That that's the. I was so afraid to say that I hit my mic and tried to sabotage my show. <laughs> Tua could be Drew Brees at the best, best, best possible scenario. And, and by the way, what happened? The way that Drew Brees, I'm gonna this football's deflated, but a little. It's not inflated very much. The way Drew Brees separated when he went to go throw the ball, separated. And the way he followed through violently, what that did was it gave his throw, he, he was able to throw the ball with way more command, more accuracy. Watch the velocity in the way, go watch Drew Brees highlights and watch Tua highlights. Drew Brees has a stronger arm than Tua. The ball comes out with way more velocity behind it. It's just mechanics. It's not like it's not like Tua can't do it. In fact, there, Tua has a, a 10-inch hand size. I'm like, I'm like, what's happening? Does Tua have tiny hands? Like, what's going on? Tua's got bigger hands than Joe Burrow, like by a whole inch. He's fine. He just needs different mechanics. He needs to get more out of his frame. And I'm I'm really curious, what's the rest of Tua's career going to look like? Because how is it going to play out? Is he going to stay in Miami? Is he going to get better? Uh, remember, at one point, the at the time, the San Diego... Chargers organization did not want Drew Brees. They got rid of Drew Brees and replaced him with Philip Rivers. So Drew Brees was once discarded. Do you think at that point in Drew Brees' career, he was viewed at as a little bit risky, as like an amazing quarterback? Uh, there was definitely some doubt around Drew Brees at that time. He was injured. He His team replaced him. Could that be to his path? Miami, for whatever reason, and, and I think it's because they don't like his physical limitations, Miami doesn't want Tua. It's pretty clear. They won't commit to him. They want to trade for Deshaun Watson. Could Tua leave and go somewhere else and be more successful with a team that actually wants to build an offensive line around him, that actually wants to keep him in the game and not bench him in the fourth quarter or be wishy-washy and go back and forth between him and Jacoby Brissett, a career backup, who's going to get him weapons to help him win? I love Tua as a person, and he's clearly a good dude, easy to root for, but I'm really curious how the rest of Tua's career goes. Again, mechanically, he needs to separate a lot more violently and follow through a lot better, uh, and that'll give him way more command of the football. He'll be more accurate. Go go watch. I, I put a, a thing on Twitter, a clip of, if you flip the perspective of Tua, so Tua's left-handed. And, and maybe, too, what he needs to do is pull up Drew Brees' film with the footage flipped so Drew Brees looks like a left-handed quarterback and just watch that and mimic that throwing motion because that will really help. Like, the Elite 11, Trent Dilfer, they teach you the, the separate, the way that Drew Brees used to aggressively separate the ball. Bam! And you pull your elbow like, this position really helps you. Like, watch how quickly Drew Brees goes, bam, bam. Like, I can't even do it because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, break stuff in my studio. But, my gosh, it's very clear that there's something being left on the table with the arm strength and the mechanics of Tua Tungavaloa. Okay, now let's talk about the Robert Hunt play. The lineman touchdown that didn't count. I did not hate this play. Uh, you're going to call me a Grinch. That's fine. Uh, in fact, you can call me a Grinch. I didn't like that play. The Robert Hunt touched it. He caught a screen pass and ran for a touchdown. So on a screen pass... Dolphins right guard Robert Hunt, instead of blocking, do, instead of doing his job, he stole the ball from the running back, Miles Gaskin, and ran for a touchdown, which, by the way, did not count because that's a illegal touching penalty. And it's silly. It's a funny meme. It's great on Twitter. It plays great on TikTok and Instagram, whatever. But uh, here's the perspective that you won't hear because everyone's so busy talking about how funny it was. If you're a coach, you're furious. If you're like the coach of the Dolphins designing that play, you're like, dude, do your job. It's the fourth quarter. It's third and goal. You're only up six to three right now. Now is not the time to screw around to get penalties. That's, that's never okay, but especially not in a close game where we're at risk of losing. And I might be the only person in the world who watched the Robert Hunt play. I, I chuckled at first. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I love, I love when offensive linemen score a touchdown. And I'm like, wait a minute. I watched it back, and I'm like, Robert Hunt paused and waited to catch the ball. Like his job is to turn up field and go block somebody. That's a bad play. That's that's kind of selfish to go. 
instead of doing my assignment, I'm going to, he literally, go watch it. He pauses and like waits next to the running back for the football, catches it, runs for a touchdown. An illegal touching penalty. Miami had to set up for a field goal. Maybe I'm not very fun. I'm, I'm probably not. I don't really drink. I'm a very, I'm kind of a boring dude. I watch football all day. I, it's not funny to me, the Robert Hunt play. I don't, I watch it from a coach's perspective and go, oh, that would infuriate me. I'd be like, bro, what are you doing? Uh, this is serious to me. You screwed up our screen pass. It could have been a touchdown. I'm trying to win football games. Why are you doing that in this moment? So I, I know I'm alone. I, I saw social media's reaction to the Robert Hunt touchdown. And it's cool. I get, if, if it if had been a real play, like if he was eligible and that was the plan, that would have been cool. But what he did, he went against the plan, didn't run the play correctly. And, and Bill Belichick always says, do your job. Robert Hunt did not do his job on that play. It's a bad football play. It's not actually good. In fact, if they lost that game and they missed out on a potential touchdown because of Robert Hunt, you could actually potentially have blamed the loss on him for screwing around and making a bad play. So um, I, I'm a Grinch. I know it. I'm not fun. Totally fine. But that's a bad football play. Go do your assignment. Go block somebody. Don't wait next to the running back for the football. That's just, it's all bad. It's totally wrong. And I, upon reflection, the more I watch that Robert Hunt play, the more kind of irritated I get. If I was two, I'm like, dude, I'm not throwing to you. What are you doing? Don't catch that. Go hit somebody. Let the running back do his job. Do your job. Okay. Uh, the big news right now in the NFL is that wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., has signed in L.A. with the Rams. The number one question here with OBJ and the X factor here. What's Odell's attitude going to be like? Because he gave up on Cleveland. He forced his way out. It's very clear Odell did not want to be in Cleveland. Now, I would imagine he's pumped not only to be a star in L.A., to win games, to maybe win a Super Bowl. Like, Odell better bring his best because that's a good life if you want it. But I want to point out here, here's why I'm confident that Odell's going to work very, very well in L.A. with the Rams. Not only is it that he's got Matthew Stafford throwing him the football, he's paired up with another good receiver, Cooper Cup. Also, hey, Van Jefferson's pretty good, too, a good number three. Like, he's probably better suited to be a number three than a number two. He's got Sean McVay calling plays. They had a good defense. They've got, you know, they added Von Miller. But here's the real thing, the real reason why Odell is going to work, I think, best in L.A., is he wants to be there. It's the first time in Odell's NFL career he's gotten to choose where he wanted to play. That's invaluable. Like, as someone who lives I, I, where I really want, like, I live somewhere that I always dreamed of wanting to live. In a tiny apartment near the beach, I'm happy. And that is the most invaluable thing you can have in your entire life. Every day you go about your life, everything's a little bit better. <laughs> You're like, man! I'm so glad to be here. I always wanted to be here. It's amazing. What a blessing. And I, I really think this is going to be a great move for Odell. LA is closer to a Super Bowl. Again, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Sean McVay calling plays, Matthew Stafford. It's going to be a home run. The Rams right now, the Rams or Tampa should be the Super Bowl favorite. The AFC is a mess right now. I don't know what to make of it. And I, I mean, I, I've got to mention the way, there's not a lot more to be said here, but the way the Rams players recruited OBJ really hard is pretty cool. You had Vaughn Miller. You had Jalen Ramsey apparently FaceTiming OBJ. And OBJ's like, am I wanted here? And Jalen Ramsey just walked right to the receiver room. And had, he's like, FaceTime these guys. And he's like talking to Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. They're like, come, we want you. Like, man. And then literally, I guess, hours later, OBJ signed with the Rams. The Rams welcomed him and said, we want you. We're going to make it happen. And you know who, shame on the Packers, man. Green Bay. If you're not aggressive, you miss out. The Packers were not aggressively pursuing Odell Beckham Jr. How ironic would it be? Here's what I want to lay out, a potential future. I love this. I love to like, think about what could be. What if the Packers lose to the Rams in the NFC title game? And the Rams go to the Super Bowl instead of the Packers because Odell Beckham Jr., has the game-winning touchdown. What if that, that that really could happen? And it'd be year three in a row that the Packers have lost in the NFC title game. 
So, man, I just, I, I felt like the Packers, did Aaron Rodgers not call him? Did they, like, what happened? How did, how did no one, and maybe OBJ just was never going to go to Green Bay. Like, although I don't, I don't buy that because the reports all said that. And I just feel like the Packers here are the team that you're like, they could have had OBJ. They could, they could at least made a better move to go get him. And it's pretty clear the Packers were not aggressive again. And if you're not aggressive, you miss out. And that's a good lesson for life here. Now, don't take that and be aggressive in every scenario. But, man, if you have an opportunity, like a really cool opportunity to get a great job or live somewhere cool or, uh, like, man, I, I one time got offered a job. And they said, you got to come to L.A. tomorrow. Like, you have to move to L.A. tomorrow. And at lunch, I'm, I'm at, I worked at a car wash at the time. I got offered a job working on a movie. And I'm like, I'm going to leave right now. And I literally quit my job on my lunch break. I said, I'll finish my shift. And my boss said, you're fine. Go home. I left my car wash, packed up my car that night and drove overnight to L.A. From Portland to L.A. Because I was hungry. I'm like, I, I knew if I don't say yes, they're going to call someone else and give them the job. And I, I'm in Portland. Other people are they're going to call her in L.A. I'm going to lose out on this job. So I just went for it. The Rams went for it. The Packers did not. And I think the Rams are going to have a huge home run. By the way, I called this last episode. I was talking to Marcus Whitman from, uh, you know, that franchise guy. And I was like, look, if if the Packers don't get him, what if the, Ra- the Rams are probably going to slide in with an offer and be like, we want you more. And that's exactly what happened. I need some more chapstick. It's, uh, how, how long is the show? Been? 26 minutes, roughly, something like that? 25 minutes? Pretty good. Okay, another big story. We're gonna start with a song. Cam's coming home. He's coming home. Tell the world that Cam's coming home. Cam Newton is coming home, baby. It's pretty cool. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have signed quarterback Cam Newton. He's coming home. He's coming home. It's a wild turn of events. I I, I never ever would have thought that the Panthers would bring Cam Newton back to their organization. And it's kind of crazy. The Panthers starting quarterback, Sam Darnold hurt his shoulder. He's out four to six weeks. He's on the injured reserve right now. And I, I really want to ask you, like how many quarterbacks that are like franchise quarterbacks start, leave and come back. Like they start their career there. They win a lot of games, go to a super bowl and then come back. Like Drew Brees never went back to the chargers. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Tom Brady's never going back to New England. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure that's never going to happen. And who, who else left? I'm trying to think of, man, I, I don't. Jimmy Garoppolo is not. Maybe, maybe he would go back to the Patriots. That's a bad example. That'd be interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo back to New England. But they got Mac Jones. He'd be back up. But it just is so rare for a player to go back to the team they once left. In fact, when the Panthers hired a new coach, Matt Rule, one of the first moves that Matt Rule made was to let Cam go. Now, it's not like they hated each other. I think, in fact, in some ways, it benefited Cam to leave because the Panthers were rebuilding. And at the time, we're like, hey, Cam can still play. He should go to a team that's going to be competitive. He went to the Patriots. And it, it really what this reflects is that Cam had no other options. Like, he, he had to go back to Carolina because there was nowhere else that really wanted him to play in the NFL. But uh, interesting stuff there. It's not quite LeBron going back to Cleveland. And, you know, it's, it's not like Cam is going to win a lot of games, I don't think. I mean, the Panthers are not very good. Last time we see, saw Cam Newton play, he was in New England, and they weren't very good around him, and Cam wasn't very good as a result. And the Panthers' offense isn't great. I don't know why Cam is going to suddenly get better on another kind of average to bad offense. And then what's Cam's role? Like, is Cam going to be there for a couple weeks? Is he going to replace Sam Darnold? Is he the long term? I, I, there's so, in fact, it's what if Cam comes in and is amazing? And then they're like, hey, you want to be our quarterback next year too? Because Sam Darnold didn't earn the job. Like, Sam Darnold wasn't great. So, a lot of stuff up in the air. It's going to be very, very fun to see how it plays out in Carolina. I am sad we won't get to see P.J. Walker, the former XFL MVP. I was, uh, you know, Sam Darnold gets hurt. I'm like, ah, we get to watch P.J. Walker. That'll be fun. No, we don't. Nope, 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 nope. We're back to Cam. And that, again, it's one of the more wild turn of events in NFL history. I can't imagine a situation where, has it? how many times has it happened where, and I don't mean like, you know, 
Brian Hoyer has gone back to the Patriots like seven times, right? However many times where he's a, a backup quarterback is one thing. But how many times does your franchise quarterback leave your organization and then come back like a year or two later? That's unheard of. And it's very, very interesting and very, very cool. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to play out. In Carolina. Cam's coming home. He's coming home. Tell the world that Cam's coming home. I just, like, I, ah, I'm so, it's such a weird, crazy, I can't, I can't believe he's coming back. That's, uh, what a, what, what a weird thing. Okay, there was a controversy last week. Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, got hit by Panthers defensive end, Brian Burns. And Mac Jones fell to the ground. He fumbled the ball. And then, from the ground, he grabs Brian Burns' ankle and he would not let go. And there's a very simple explanation for why Mac Jones did that. Mac Jones very reasonably thought Brian Burns had the ball and he was trying to make a tackle. Now, he's a quarterback. He's not. Mac Jones has probably done like two tackling drills in his entire life. Like in eighth grade football, they make everybody do it, right? After that, a quarterback's a quarterback. When's the last time Mac Jones really actually made a tackle in football? He doesn't know what he's doing. And, and Brian Burns was incensed and angry and all offended because he got his ankle twisted around by the quarterback. He's just trying to pull a guy to the ground and trying to, like, hold on for dear life so his teammates can make a play. And if you think the guy has the ball, it's totally reasonable. And yet Brian Burns is all mad and like, I want an apology. And I, I don't know why Mac Jones didn't just go, my bad. I didn't mean to, like, I, I was trying to make a tackle. I thought you had the ball. He said, I'm sorry if I, he could have said, I'm sorry if, if I offended you. He didn't. I, interesting drama. It's kind of fun. But then Brian Burns gave a message to all DNs are going to play Mac Jones. He said, happy hunting. He put a bounty on Mac Jones's head, by the way. It's so stupid. Like, this whole thing is just a terrible, dumb miscommunication. And Brian Burns, I think, in my mind, is being the small one here. He's just angry. Like, it wasn't a dirty play. Sorry. Like, it wasn't. He very reasonably thought you had the ball. And I just don't, I don't, I don't understand Brian Burns' perspective at all. It's very weird. Here's a news story I might as well mention. Uh, former Raiders head coach John Gruden is suing the NFL. Let me. I think the best way to summarize this, I'm going to read Adam Schefter's Instagram post about it. He said, uh, John Gruden is suing the NFL and Roger Goodell, according to his attorney, Adam Hosmer Henner. He released a statement. Here's a statement that John Gruden's attorney released. He said, John Gruden has filed suit against the National Football League and Commissioner Goodell in the 8th Judicial, judicial that's a tough word to say, uh, District Court in Clark County, Nevada. The complaint alleges that the defendants selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job. There is no explanation or justification for why Gruden's emails were the ones only ones made public out of the 650 thousand emails collected in the NFL's investigation of the Washington football team or for why the emails were held for months before being released in the middle of the Raiders season. In response, NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy said uh, he announced that the NFL, the allegations are entirely meritless and the NFL will fight hard. What do you say? NFL will, of course I cut it off. Oh, and the NFL will vigorously defend against these claims. So, John Gruden uh, and the NFL are gearing up for a battle in court. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, so everything I say, I'm a dumb idiot who I'm a football guy. I'm not a lawyer guy. Don't 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 listen to me. But if you want my opinion here, I, the NFL is very powerful. I would not take on the NFL in court. Like wh- what? They're gonna beat your ass. <laughs> They're like they've got way more money. They can pay way more to lawyers. I, I know John Gruden's made a lot of money in his career, but also the stuff that John Gruden is is alleging. Feels hard to prove to me. I'm like, I, unless he has evidence, I, I think the only thing, because by the way, I think John Gruden is right, t- to be fair. Like, why was it held on to? Made no sense. And why, of all the emails the NFL has about the Washington football team, how come the only ones that came out were John Gruden? It felt like a political move to help the, uh, the Players Association president maintain it you stay in his role with voting at it i don't know here's the one thing the one thing that might come of all of this i don't think john gruden's gonna win 
I don't even know. They, are they going to? I don't think the NFL is going to settle because they're they're not going to lose in court. I mean, they, I just would be shocked. If anything, here's what might happen. The, the one way that John Gruden might win here is all the other NFLs might have to become public record because of a court case. I don't, I don't know if that's how that works. I have no idea. But I know that in the past, when stuff goes to court, things become pub, public knowledge. And in the video game industry, this happens a lot. We're like, oh my gosh, did you hear all the, the, the crazy amount of, like Sony had a bunch of emails leaked about, gosh, like Apple, basically. Apple and the the Epic Game Store. And you hear all these correspondence between like Geo Corsi come out. It's very interesting. So like, all I'm saying is, is it possible the other Washington football emails become public because of John Gruden suing the NFL? That's the only, I think, positive that could come from this. I'm not going to talk about it anymore, probably again until, um, I, I don't know. It's not really a sports story, but I just wanted to be clear. People are going to ask me about it and I don't see how John's going to win. He's, he's one man against a massive corporation with, 32 billionaires and their money. So I'd, I just, I'd be shocked if John Gruden had any kind of progress or anything good came out of this for John Gruden. Okay. I need to, first of all, I need to shave my head. My hair is too long and I need to shave my head again. I need to trim my mustache. It's getting like right on the edge where it's starting to curl into my lips. And that's very, very annoying. We'll talk about New York in a moment. Let me get some more. Uh... Ah. <clears throat> all right. The New York Jets have a really weird quarterback situation right now. In the 2021 NFL draft, the Jets drafted quarterback Zach Wilson, number two overall. And he's had a rook roughy, uh, rough, rough, he's had a rook roughy year? No, it's a rough rookie year. Zach, come on! It's not that hard to talk. English is hard. I do my best. Uh, Zach Wilson got hurt, and then backup quarterback Mike White came in and lit it up. Like, he destroyed the Bengals, had a, a ton of yards passing, won the game in overtime. And Mike White is inconvenient for the Jets because now they love getting good quarterback play, but they're invested in Zach Wilson. Mike White's a fifth round quarterback. They're like, we just drafted Zach Wilson. That's our guy. It has to be. But the longer that Mike White plays good football, the more they're going to have to keep playing him. And Zach's going to have to stay injured for a while and, it's, it's very shameful and embarrassing for the whole organization. They're having a hard time with all this. And Mike White is about to make his third NFL start. He had a great game against the Bengals. He had a great first drive. It was, he had a good touchdown drive against whatever team they played in the second game. I forget it now. I think it was the Colts. I don't remember. And then now he's going into his third game. This week, the Jets play the Bills. And I am very, very excited to watch Mike White play this weekend. Because he's got to play well to keep the quarterback controversy going. If he plays bad, it's over because the Jets will bury him. They invested in Zach Wilson. Unfortunately, that's the politics of a quarterback position. If a team is invested in a quarterback, they're almost always going to go with the guy they're paying or they drafted really high. It's unfair. Life is unfair, especially the quarterback position. is often very, very unfair the way it's handled. Now, Mike White, I want, I want to talk about Mike White. He gave a quote this week. He said he believes he should have been the number one overall pick. And a lot of people are like, what? Mike White, you're a fifth-round pick. You're nobody. And I'm like, no, that's not negative to say. Mike White is confident. And I would imagine, remember, there were years before Tom Brady was the Tom Brady we know today. There was a whole year where he was a backup quarterback. And when Tom Brady finally got his shot for the Patriots, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt, Tom Brady comes in, leads them to a Super Bowl. You think a couple games into Tom Brady's you know, first couple starts with the Patriots, Tom Brady wasn't thinking like, I should have been the number one overall pick because he's confident. There's nothing wrong with being confident in your ability. And Mike White's confident in his ability. That's, I think, healthy. I think that's, not, it's, just, it's really interesting how people spin this into a negative. Like, Mike White is, his head's full of helium because he thinks he should have been the number one overall pick. It's like, no, it's, it's a guy who, what he means is he believes in his ability and was undervalued in the NFL draft, which is totally fair for him to think. Now, here's a couple of quotes Zach Wilson gave this week. I want to also praise Zach Wilson. I, I like what Mike White's doing. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson said, I've only played five games, you know? I just got here, ellipsis. You have to go through adversity to get where you want to go. So I definitely didn't come here thinking this is going to be the greatest thing ever and we're going to go undefeated. That's part of the process. That's what makes football so fun. My time is going to come. Zach Wilson also praised 
the Jets' other quarterback, Mike White. By the way, they seem to have a great relationship. Like Zach Wilson, no one was happier for Mike White having a great game against Cincinnati than Zach Wilson. He's an upstanding guy. Zach said about Mike White, he said, Mike's ability to eliminate, just quickly go through the process, his ability to not feel like he needs to force something, but take what the defense gives him. I would say that my style of play needs to get more like that. That's realistic. That's healthy. Yeah. Uh, Mike White did some stuff. Like when Mike White played the Bengals two weeks ago, I was like, where has that been all year from Zach Wilson? He just took what the defense gave him over and over and over again. Didn't force the throws downfield. Like the longest throw that Mike White threw downfield is 18 yards. And I love the humility of Zach Wilson. They're going, yeah, there's good stuff I can take from Mike White's game and insert it into mine. Every quarterback in the world should feel that way. Every husband, every, every, everything. Like no matter who you are, you can always learn from the success of other people. And I think I love the humility. I think Zach Wilson's very mature. And it's it's ridiculous because of the headband. I think that's why he headbands and he runs around. Some people actually compared Zach Wilson to Johnny Manziel. It's a completely baseless accusation. Unfortunately, uh, when Zach Wilson's had a rough rookie year, that just kind of further, you know, helps people to lean into that narrative, which makes no sense to me. Zach Wilson is a top-notch guy. Johnny Manziel, no offense, was an alcoholic. Well, how can you compare? It's just wrong to compare them. And I got some contacts at BYU. They say nothing but great things about Zach Wilson. Now they're Mormons, and they all, you know, they're all on the same team, whatever. But the dude works hard. Zach Wilson loves football. Like He loves getting after it. And the comparison of Johnny Manziel to Zach Wilson, this quote proves it. Is nonsense. When would Johnny Manziel, if Johnny Manziel lost his job, it's hypothetical. I have no idea. I can't imagine Johnny Manziel giving a mature quote like that his first year in the NFL. Like, Zach Wilson's light years ahead and, and way more mature than anybody gives him credit for. It's an awkward, tough situation right now in New York. You got two quarterbacks. One's uh, heavily invested in Zach Wilson. He's a rookie, still figuring it out. One guy's playing great, fifth-round pick, who came out of nowhere, how do you, that's a really weird relationship. It's very tough. And I, I am very interested to see how things play out. Again, if Mike White has a stinker against Buffalo, eh, it's over. Zach Wilson's going to be magically healthy again. He'll come back. Mike White's going to be done. They'll bury him. They'll probably keep him as a solid backup. But um, if Mike White keep, I, I love chaos and I, I like interesting storylines and I, I want a quarterback controversy in, in New York and I want New York to have to go, do we, do we play our fifth-round quarterback, or do we go with our guy we drafted number two overall? Like, you can't bench Mike White if he's playing—if if he beats the Bills and plays great, you can't bench him, no matter whether Zach Wilson's healthy or not. No matter how awful optically that looks, and I want that to happen. I think it'd be interesting to see, like, what do they do? And the longer Mike White plays good, the more pressure it puts on everyone. And I, I, I love that. I think that'd be really fun and really cool to see. Let me drink some more water real quick. We have reached NFL Week 10. There are eight games I cannot wait to watch. It's going to be an amazing week of NFL football. Number one, Seattle plays the Packers. The Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson, is back from an injury, had a finger injury. Uh, we also believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back from the Rona. Uh, and it should be interesting. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. The Packers are a better football team. But also, I feel like every time Seattle plays Green Bay, something wacky happens. And unfortunately, the game is Seattle. I, the wacky stuff appears to have happened in Seattle. So does that weird magic carry over to Green Bay? I don't know. But this will be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. And if, if Russell Wilson wasn't playing, it would not have been. But because he is, I'm excited to watch that. Game number two, the Bills at the Jets. One reason and the only reason why this game is interesting is Mike White the Jets quarterback. He's making his third ever NFL start. How is Mike White going to play? You got Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick from the 2021 NFL draft. He got hurt. Mike White comes in, lights it up. He beats the Bengals, who were a really good football team at the time. They were like five and two or something. Can Mike White keep the controversy alive? Can Mike White keep playing? Well, what happens if Mike White throws for like 350 yards and wins over the Bills on Sunday? 
What do you do? I, I want that. That's a storyline I'm rooting for. So Bill's Jets is interesting because of Mike White. If Mike White has a terrible game, I'll talk about it. But like, ah, it's noteworthy what happened, but not exciting. Game number three, the Lions at Pittsburgh. The Lions are 0-8. I believe they're going to get their very first win this week on the road in Pittsburgh. The Lions have been close to winning a couple times. I mean, remember, the Lions, either they either were tied. I think they actually had the lead over Green Bay. When they played the Packers, they led at halftime. Like, the Lions can compete. They just have a quarterback problem. They, they have bad luck. There's all, there's, like, the Lions have found a way to lose a game basically every way you can this year. The Lions are better than 0-8. They're not great, but they, they definitely are better than an 0-8 record. And Pittsburgh has a tendency, because I think it's a, I think it's a cultural issue on the team where they're lackadaisical. They're, they're not as like they don't get up for bad games. I believe the Lions win in Pittsburgh. I'm calling my shot now. Don't forget that. If I'm right, I want praise. If I'm wrong, I'll be like, I'm an idiot. I, you know, every argument you make is that Pittsburgh's going to, I, it makes sense on paper that Pittsburgh would beat the Lions, but man, I, I actually don't think so. I, I really think the, the Steelers are not as good as I think their record would show. And the Lions are definitely way better than the record would show. And the Lions are hungry and emotionally, the matchup here is a hungry Lions team against a Pittsburgh team that tends to not show up when there's nothing expected of them. So I believe the Lions win in Pittsburgh. Number four, the Falcons at the Cowboys. Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, used to be the head coach in Atlanta. So it's him against his former team, plus Dallas is coming off of a really bad loss to Denver. They were losing 30 to nothing with six minutes left against Denver. I believe the Cowboys win big over Atlanta at home. Number five, the Browns at the Patriots. Both teams are five and four. Uh, the Patriots and the Browns are both fighting to get into the playoffs. You have Mac Jones playing better and better every week. Baker Mayfield lost OBJ. It seems like without OBJ, Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback somehow. I, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, and that's kind of why this is a great game. It's a good matchup that is unpredictable. And maybe the Patriots win with a blowout. Maybe the Browns blow out the Patriots. I think what it's going to happen is going to be a really close, fun game that is unpredictable. And I, that's exactly the kind of game I want to watch. I hate when I know going into a game, one team is going to dominate the other. And I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen with Patriots and Browns. Number six, the Eagles at the Denver Broncos. Denver got my attention last week. Remember, they led Dallas 30 to nothing with six minutes left in that football game. Was it a fluke? Is Denver a one-hit wonder? Do they have a great game? Or are they actually a good football team that's making progress? We will find out in Denver against Philly on Sunday. Number seven, Sunday night football, the Chiefs at the Raiders. The Raiders have been through a lot of off-the-field stuff this year. Stuff that... It's hard to overcome. Your your coach gets fired. One of your teammates kills someone. Another guy threatens people with weapons. It's just a terrible, horrible thing. It's yeah, a series of events that have gone on with the Raiders and their organization. I don't think they're going to overcome that. I, their, their slide, I think, has already begun. They lost last week. I think it's going to continue to happen. But meanwhile, Kansas City is their own kind of mess on the field. And so got one messy team against another messy team. A bunch of unknowns. That equation all leads to a very, very interesting game on Sunday Night Football. I am crossing my fingers, hoping it'll be close, competitive, and interesting. And keep your eye on Kansas City at the Raiders on Sunday. Monday Night Football, game number eight, the Rams at the 49ers. Here's the question. Will the Rams win or will they blow out the 49ers? Like, will they just win or will they win by like 30 points? Because I worry that 49ers coach Kyle Shannon is actually going to get fired. He could actually get fired after this year. I'm like, ah. The 49ers look bad every week. And uh, first of all, it's our first opportunity to see Von Miller in a Rams jersey. That'll be fun. I doubt Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play for the Rams this week, but he might. We'll find out. But again, I I would be absolutely shocked if the Rams lost this game to the 49ers on Sunday. They got Von Miller. They got momentum. They're excited. There's a lot of energy in that organization. And uh, man, Kyle Shanahan could use a win here over a really good Rams team on Monday night. All right, guys. Uh, one more topic. I'm not going to make this a breakout or put it out as a YouTube clip. That's what I, I call my YouTube clips breakouts. I don't know why. It confuses people. I'm an idiot. 
this this episode of the podcast 410 is going to come out Saturday morning. I don't think it's enough time for people to watch it than actually turn their attention toward college football. But for you guys listening, it just I think it's still worth you guys seeing what I'm interested in so that we can compare and contrast because I am going to do a college football week 11 recap. So we've reached college football week 11. There are six games on my radar. Uh, I will only cover the interesting ones plus some random games that might emerge. Like every, you never know. Like some team might win with like a a forty point comeback, and you're like, I'm not gonna not talk about that football game even if they're two unranked nobodies. Now, game number one, number six, Michigan at Penn State would have been better if Michigan was undefeated, but it's still gonna be a fun matchup, a good game. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to it because I don't know that. I don't. I don't know if I'll watch this game. It kind of depends on how things work out. If it's, if it's interesting, I might turn my attention to it. Although I am disappointed that, I mean, Michigan's just not in the college football playoff conversation at all, and that really turns me off of this game. But I will. It's on my radar. I'll watch and see what happens a little bit. Uh, then you have nine and zero Baylor. Sorry, what nine nine and zero Oklahoma? Oklahoma's the number eight team in the country against on the road in Waco, Texas against number thirteen Baylor. Undefeated Oklahoma at Waco against Baylor, number eight team in the country against the number 13 team in the country. That's going to be a really fun, really interesting Big 12 battle. Yeah, Mississippi State at number 17, Auburn. An opportunity to watch Bo Nix, a guy who I really like. Uh, that'll be fun. Number uh, That's the Auburn quarterback, by the way. Then you have number 11, Texas A&M at number 15, Ole Miss. Both teams are 7-2, and two, plus it's an opportunity to watch Matt Corral the Ole Miss quarterback who might be the number one pick, uh, number one quarterback taken in the 2021 NFL draft. Then you got number 19, Purdue, at number four, Ohio State. The spoiler makers, can they do it again? That'll be fun. And you got number 16, NC State, at number 12, Wake Forest. I'm working on a film analysis video. I don't know when I'm going to watch this game, but I, I have ambition to watch number 21, Pittsburgh, just beat UNC 30-23 uh, to 23 on Thursday night. I, I haven't watched that game yet. But I, I would like to, and if I do, I'll cover that on my College Football Week 11 recap. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you're having a great day. Happy Saturday. Uh, we had, gosh, let me look it up. Was it Memorial Day? Uh, for some reason, I thought Memorial Day was like the middle of the, it was Veterans Day. I, thought, I think Memorial Day is like middle of summer. Uh, Veterans Day, November 11th. Yeah. Okay, I'm not crazy. So on Thursday, we had Veterans Day. I put out an episode on Thursday with uh, Marcus Whitman. And that, I recorded that Wednesday. It was supposed to come out Wednesday. I took forever to edit. So I want—I didn't get to say this on Thursday. Uh, I hope you had a good Veterans Day. And I want to just say, you know, I, I, I didn't know if it was Memorial Day or Veterans Day. Like, I can't hide that. You saw me work through that in my head. Memorial Day is the one that's awesome in the middle of the year. In the middle of summer, that's great. Always, there's fantastic movies. And like, it's a fun weekend. You have a long, it's always on a Monday of a, a long weekend. Uh, but Veterans Day came and went. And I wanted to say thank you to your service to anybody who is active or uh, retired military. I, I got nothing but respect. And I, I really, really appreciate your service. Thank you for your service. And uh, I get messages from people that are like, I'm in the military and I listen to your podcast. That, that means a lot to me. I love to hear that. And so I got nothing but respect for the military community. My best friend is in the Air Force. And so uh, I got a heart for that branch. Although I don't, you're, you know, they get competitive. They're like, eh, you know, this branch hates that branch. I don't care. I love you all and I appreciate you. So thank you for your service. I wanted to say that to end the show today. I love you. I appreciate you. But um, bum, bam, we are done. Cam's coming home. He's coming home. Tell the world that Cam's coming. I love that song. I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. Have a great day. Take care, y'all.